uh, uh, Rob's professor said it was a good idea. Is that why we're streaming? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He told me I should yeah. do it. And I, I've made the determination that I'm going to just listen to people who are smarter than I am. So, okay. It's a good call. Yeah. Good life philosophy in general. Yep. He's, he's doing no. the thing that I want to do, so I'm just going to do that. So, no, all right then. I've definitely known some people that, although they may be smart, they have some really bad ideas. That's true. That can happen. I, this this seems like a if I'm if I'm if the idea is to uh, ex expand a network of uh, uh, like-minded game designers, I guess. Mm -hmm. I guess this would be one way to do it. Although uh, so far it's just us watching and listening. <laughs> That's yes. fine. That's how it all starts. Uh huh. Maybe we could fix that. Just a second. Oh, we didn't even do the intro either. Oh, we didn't do or the intro. Yes. Video. Joining me tonight is Catrice. Hello, Catrice. Hey. Hi. Kevor is here. Hi, Kevor. Hi. Mark has joined us tonight. Hello, Mark. Hello. How are you all you guys doing? Good, good, good. Okay. Okay. Getting used to social isolation. So you weren't an introvert before this? Oh, I totally was, but oh. now I'm thriving. <laughs> I know, right? I feel guilty. I because <laughs> like my day-to-day -day job hasn't changed that much and uh I, I don't have to go out. So I don't yeah. and I'm kinda it's kinda nice, but I feel horrible for all the people that are really for whom this is not a blast. Right. It's not a blast for me either, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my work days have like, gotten crazy, but yeah. Anyway. No, but I, I get it. I've gotten used to it to the point that um, my work isn't affected. I get to take however long in my day to get stuff done. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I've, I've mostly adjusted, so I... I'm doing pretty okay, but uh, I can't say the same for a lot of other people in my life. So, yeah, yeah. Don't look at me. I'm a hermit. I step outside of the house like three times a year. So I have done nothing different. But, you, but, <laughs> but you're in a part of the world where the weather kills you. I'm okay. Sometimes, yes, maybe. Oh, okay. That. Bad. It actually snowed today. All right, it is that bad. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it actually snowed like last week here. We normally have sane weather. Mm. It's sunny yeah. right now in Portland. Oh, it was sunny here too back when the sky, back when the sun was up. It's clear. Right. It was actually, I think, I don't know, nearly 30 at some point today. Wow. 30. Yeah. Okay, that's a little different. That's actually, like, really hot. I wouldn't even want it that hot. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. Anyway. Remember, remember that's in Canadian bucks, not, like, American temperature. Oh, Celsius. That, that would be weird. Right. Yeah. Yep. Right, they have to remind you that 30 degrees is actually hot. Rulers. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, because when you said 30, I was like, wow, that's 
Kat's saying that that's pretty hardcore. She's getting 30 degrees is hot. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. Uh, I agree with her to, on that one. <laughs> to be fair, I actually still consider 30 to be basically t-shirt weather, even if it's in Fahrenheit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I anyway. wouldn't call it hot, though. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean... Anyway, oh, we're going to talk about game anyway. stuff. Yeah. Yes. Not the weather. So, we're good at this. Unless, unless we're talking about modeling the weather in games. Ah. But we're uh, not, not talking about it. I don't no, no. think that we're doing that. <laughs> we're not doing that. That would be... That not would, this Well, time. that could be interesting, but not right now. Uh, or maybe a broader topic of how to model natural phenomena in games could be interesting. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Nope. All right. Well, let's uh, throw that one on the... Pile? Pile, yeah. And uh, get to our actual topic, which was... What have we changed in our games? And I guess the corollary would be why. Mm-hmm. So because it was broken. Yeah. No. <laughs> it wasn't as good as it could have been. No. Because we're enough. addicts and we can't say no to I thought of something to do better. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or you get you get to yeah. a point. Where you where you're ready to play test it, and you look at it and you go, I I don't want I don't want people to see this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Most of these rules okay. don't make sense. They make sense yeah. to like just me. Yep. And then it's like, well, okay, I need to actually add some structure here. Right. Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Most of most of my changes were born out of like this didn't play the way I wanted it to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if I don't know what the better version is necessarily, I just know that this wasn't what the feeling I was going for right. led to. Mm-hmm. So how can I how can I change the structures and building blocks so that when this hits the table, people use these building blocks to get the feel of the game that I'm aiming for? Yeah, yeah, that's the the thing I'm having trouble doing too now i have to i'm I'm finding myself having to develop like a grand theory of villainy <laughs> because like there's got to be a unifying theory of villainy right like there's some villains that work in movies and some don't right and and the ones that work should have like a certain set amount of like a certain pattern that they follow or at least sets of patterns they follow and uh what 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 makes them compelling you know that's that's mm-hmm. so that's part of the rewrite i'm going through right now is trying to figure out how to uh meaningfully mm-hmm. challenge the the players when they're coming up with the enemy so to speak right i think that's part so, of like a bigger mm-hmm. problem of um providing tools for proper gming because i think a yeah. lot of that in in most games i'd say a lot of the design of things like the villains and the the main conflict falls on the shoulders of the GM. And a lot of that is just techniques that people have developed by themselves for how mm-hmm. to develop a good game. There's right. no real universal, like this is the art of storytelling for a uh, an RPG and how to bring that forward. You know, like there might be some Robin Laws book in the future, mm-hmm. but I think for now it's, very much everyone develops their own style and that's what comes across i guess in the games that they design yeah 
Yeah, and I suppose also, but you're also developing that style in conjunction with the players, right? And then, yeah, you know, so it's not even like you have your own style because you. I know that I have a, a certain style when I'm jamming for one group, and then I for a different group, I might have a different take on it. Right. So it's not just that. It's not just that like you can take the style you're using and then sort of uh, extract out the broad strokes and put that in a book because you can't. It's it, you have to still account for other tables, right, and other table dynamics, and and mm -hmm. um, how do you account? How do you have? How do you make keep a game going when you have two power gamers and two like story gamers? In right. It, you know, and and a GM is going to have to come up with something on the fly for their own game for that probably. You know, mo most games don't have specific advice for handling splits right. in what the players find fun. So yep. that's actually as well. Did expand that section a bit in the rework right that I'm working on at the moment. Basically I put it into session zero, like figure out early on what each player is hoping to get out of the game. Yeah. And if they're consciously aware that the other players are looking for something in particular they tend to be a lot more accommodating towards it. Yeah. And it does smooth things out a lot. Like if you get, you, you just don't really run into the same problem of, well, you're just a min-max or power gamer. If they actually say like, I really enjoy like the combat in this game. I want to, you know, actually experience it some more. And it's like, oh, well, You've just said what you're enjoying about it. That's not a problem. We can we can work around that. So if you just make everybody aware of what they're trying to get out of the game, then it's usually not a problem. Yeah, I think uh, I think establishing expectations is really key. Yeah. Mm hmm. And I was talking with a friend about this earlier because. Um, we were talking about that trope of the outsider in um, tabletop games. So the idea of like the ranger that has survived on their own all this time and doesn't need anybody else in their life. Um, and how do you make that work for tabletop? And a lot of it is just making sure that you get the buy-in of all the other players. Like if, if I were to play that character and be able to say, hey, I'm thinking of doing this like Aragorn-esque ranger character uh and i'm going to feel on the outside of the group but i want everyone to feel like they should pull me in or that i'm i'm not familiar with these lands or something like that um getting the buy-in from all the other players makes it exciting it makes it rewarding and everyone is aware of what their role is to be able to tell that story convincingly but the game i think can serve to provide those structures for people to have that conversation. Um, and I think that's hard for new players. Like it's hard for someone that's never played a role-playing game to say, this is the kind of story that I want to tell um, and I want everyone's help in telling it. So um, I think there are opportunities for the game to be changed such that you can tell the kinds of stories that you want to tell. Um, and creating good players through the mechanics of a good game. 
I hope that makes sense. So that's not just no, it does. That does. It, that, that's you, that is what we're trying to do, right? We are trying to <clears throat> somehow mold our game to the best instincts of the players, right? And and sort of be like have something there where they expect it, and not have something there where they don't want it, and but also make those choices as the, as a designer positive to the overall experience. And so you're weighing not only um, what what they find what is found fun by players, right? And and all the different ways players can find something fun, but you're also trying to leverage that forward into a, a self perpetuating loop where mm -hmm. it carries the game forward on its own, where you don't really have to worry about uh, worry about the game getting to a fail state where there's no forward momentum anymore. Yeah, and if the me mechanics can contribute to that, I, 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 I yeah, I, I think that's what you're saying, right? Like the mechanics should be able to contribute to the, the momentum, of the game, or at least act as the fail safe so when momentum, almost inevitably falls off, right? Because you're going to have those moments of fall off in a game. Exactly. Uh, and the mechanics are... can catch you. Yeah. Yeah, and those are the reasons that I make changes to the game is when I mm -hmm. find that they're not there to support the players and their objective of what they want to do or in even defining what those objectives should be like if the mm -hmm. players aren't clear in how to play the game to tell stories i think that the game should be there to help encourage that whether it's through creating obvious incentives of like hey you every time you take an action you gain experience and um, that lets you do bigger, better actions, and you get to experience more of the game or experience more of the world or define your character better, whatever it is. Like Those are the incentives that you put in front of the characters or the players that make them want to engage in the game and tell the story. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's the why. Um, so what change did you make? Well, I mean, I, I had to redo the entire system. Right. Uh, but the um, so the, the, the answer was yes. Yes, the answer was yes. Uh, everything. <laughs> it um, but it all came from the fact that I was looking at the game. I had an idea in mind of how I wanted to create a, a, a an experience around this like single concept of growing as you play the character and, and kind of growing into the character. Um, and the mechanics that I were using were sort of supplemented from things that I knew and not necessarily really intended for the best experience in driving that message home. Um, and when I came to that realization, it was really about finding what mechanical things I could do to give you that sense of this is who my character is, this is how I can drive their story forward. Um, these are the the levers that I want the players to rely on. Um, and I knew I didn't want them to look at a character sheet with a bunch of options for, for this kind of game. I wanted it to be more narrow, um, where they could look at a hand of like three cards, and these would kind of indicate to them the mindset of their character, and then they would have to work in work within that space. Um, so that that idea or that framework really played into how I created the mechanics afterwards. So 
from a, a fundamental point of view, it was really how do I want the player to interact with the game? And then what do those components do that they're interacting with such to tell the story that I'm looking for? Um, hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the biggest things is when you when you first start off with a game, like to some degree, you're going to have to pull from other game mechanics that had come before it, mm -hmm. either ones you'd worked on before yourself or just previous experience or, or other games you're aware of. Like, yeah. what can I use as a baseline to build this up from? But as you play through it or you work on the concept, you're going to find that to make it uniquely capable of doing what it's setting out to do, each and every game's going to have unique things that it has to deal with that no other game before it has ever had to do. Right. And, or at least not that specific exact combination. So you're going to have to create something new to be able to get it to work at all. Right. So, yeah. I mean, that's just kind of naturally where you're going to have to go. You're going to have to change something. You yeah. may not even notice it at first, though. Like, you could totally have a game that, oh, it, it, it looks fine on paper until, you know, the whole no plan survives first contact with the enemy, which in this case is your playtesters who will break everything, and that's exactly what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you hope, you right? Discover nothing works the way you thought it did. <laughs> actually, a lot of things, if if you have some experience in it, actually, you can probably get most of it to work the way you think it will. But there's always going to be at least one or two major things that it's like, I did not see that coming. This is not working even remotely how I had pictured it in my head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there. I, I heard a story from a game designer who was working on a uh, casino game uh, for like a like a slot machine, you know, electronic slot machine, and yeah. um, he had uh, he he designed it and they deployed it, and uh, he had failed to account for a particular demographic of slot machine player, and. Uh -oh. Well, it's it, and it's these apparently it is the spikes of slot machines. So, like you know how Magic the Gathering has the player types like Timmy's and Spikes. So, mm -hmm. Spikes being the guys that will, are just out to win. So there are clusters of like little old lady Spikes running around doing the math on slot machines in Vegas. Like it's wow. a real thing. So he he was like mm -hmm. so. So they 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 figured out the math of his slot machine like in in record time basically and he was like holy crap we have to we totally did not account for this demographic so we have to go in back and and rejigger the math to to account for a player base that he did not know was there until they demoed it live right and his company looked not that great for a week and then it was one of their best selling machines after that but still it's one of those things where it's like you can't predict. You can't. Who was to know? You know, before before you actually get that experience of, you know, bored mathematicians 
<laughs> in you know in who retired to vegas and they're just like i'm just one i just wanted to run the, the probabilities on these machines right you know? yeah so strange but there it is like you can't you you can't account for your player base in some sense or at least all of your player That's base true. you can, you can account true. for you know broad swaths and, and demographics and sort of like that like, and you can account for the players you're trying to appeal to if you don't <laughs> if you're not particularly concerned with marketing uh yeah that's a problem for yeah. the rest of you never mind <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you have to be concerned with who who are you talking to with your game yeah there is that um you know picking your audience is is i don't know is that something that gets talked about a lot in rpgs like how have has a has our audience changed from when we started our game till now is that something that's changed if we've made changes probably like not just in terms of who are we making the game for currently but mm -hmm. also like some of us have been working on our games for you know years yeah and in the last few years the demographics have actually changed a little bit of who's playing role-playing games in general right now yeah like keep in mind like it's not uncommon for like you know younger people to get interested in games and older ones to basically not have the time to do role playing in general so i've been working on mine for what about four years mm -hmm. maybe a little over four and that means that people who were 12 years old are now 16. Right. People who were 26 are now 30. That's actually a significant jump. It right. means that some of the people that would not have been playing the game are now in the prime age that they're probably going to actually consider picking it up. And some of the people that I would have previously considered to be the target audience are settling down with family instead and they do not have time to play any longer mm -hmm. and it makes a big difference so, when you consider that because like especially if you started designing this when you had plenty of time and now you find yourself working or or um mm -hmm. with other obligations like these are the people that you need to design around these are the people that um are worried about how much time do I have to devote towards creating my setting, creating my my uh, world and and this campaign that I'm going to be playing out with my characters, because it's harder and harder to find those opportunities to sit down and make your own game. Mm -hmm. There's also major events that change how people just act in general. So, like we mentioned, this is our coronavirus episode third one um there's a lot of people that are sitting indoors bored out of their minds looking for any kind of social contact at all whatsoever yeah um being able to play like a role-playing game online with other people like if they use roll 20 or fantasy grounds or any of a number of other uh, mechanical options that help with that mm -hmm. that's a big deal like they have suddenly a ton of time and a need for social contact that they can't just go out to a bar anymore. 
These are people that may never have touched a role-playing game before, and suddenly you have a new market that just opened up that didn't exist three months ago. Yeah, I have a coworker that uh, was just uh, posted on Facebook like uh, last week about playing D and D over Zoom, and right. I was like, "Oh, how about that?" <laughs> yeah. You know? And, and it's weird for me even because I've had um, one of the people that's been running the Praxis game for me uh -huh. is interested in running a separate game over Discord, mm -hmm. but he ran into the issue where not everyone had decks of cards to play. Right. So um, he's like, hey, is there some way that we can solve this with a, a tabletop simulator uh, right. or whatever, virtual tabletop? And that determined that I, I looked into it and I basically had to code my own Discord bot to be able to play the game. And I can see that being a driving force for other changes in the game, where mm -hmm. it's like, this is this is an implementation that I can quickly do in an online medium. Why don't I put this into the game design itself? Or that by just coding something, I can see great opportunities for um, quick functions that I can do and that influences the actual design of the game. So mm -hmm. I think that these kinds of changes are going to affect not only who's using it, but also what kinds of games are produced from it. So they'll, they'll go hand in hand for sure. Hmm. That's interesting. What was the main, what was the main problem you were trying to solve in the code? Um, it, by, by implementing the bot in the first place? Yeah. Well, it was really that the physical cards weren't there. So um, in Praxis, there are some aspects where you'd have each player has a hand of cards, you'd write on the cards, and then you might do things where you uh, like exchange cards with another player. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can't do that remotely. And with something like Tabletop Simulator or um, uh, Roll20, it's hard to actually modify any of the cards. So it's, you couldn't like write on them like we do in, in for the Praxis. Mm -hmm. um, so I needed a, a special way to monitor all the changes that you're making, have you swap with other players, um, and it be managed all by this single system. So mm. while I haven't yet implemented anything in the rules of Praxis that have changed as a result of the bot, I can see how that would happen, that some of these functions are so easy to just implement with code that I could say, um, like, um, do something where it's like Magic the Gathering scrying, where you look at the top few cards of your deck and then rearrange them in a certain order or put some on the bottom. Um, mm -hmm. And that is so easy to implement in the code that it kind of incentivizes me to push the, the development in that direction. And uh, it might not have been something I would have thought of in an analog way. Um, interesting. Cool. Yeah. That does bring up one other thing as well, is that these kinds of situations that we're in right now with people being stuck in their houses is something that is kind of a surprise. There's always like a huge paradigm shift that shows up every couple of years that nobody expected. Things like the internet, then cell mm -hmm. phone, then mm -hmm. like now with social distancing and stuff. It seemed like at the start of the year, nobody would have really 
thought it difficult to get a hold of a deck of cards if you didn't have one. It's like, go to a dollar store. Like, it's a, it's a dollar for a pack of used cards that you got used in a casino and they can't use it anymore. So because once it's used once, that's it. They can never use it again. Then they right. just sell it. So it's cheap. Now that's listed as this is not essential products. They're making it illegal in many areas now to even purchase cards like board games or a deck of cards or anything like that. It's like it's a non-essential service, so they don't want you going out to get it. So they're just going to make it so that it's illegal to sell it to you. Like prohibition of alcohol was one thing. Prohibition of like a deck of cards. Could we have seen this a few months ago? Is that happening? Is it like, is it functioning? Yeah, it literally is. Huh. Yeah, there's like a, there's a lot of places, like if you're in New York City right now, um, Walmart and such is legally not allowed to sell anything like um, board huh. games or anything they consider not to be essential. If it's not food, it's not water, it's not things you need to survive, they're not allowed to sell it. Did not know that. Hmm. Okay, yeah. back so, to uh... yeah. Back yeah. To... <laughs> anyway, I uh, mean... it's just the, the point is for making to get this back on topic. The point is that there are things that are going to change dramatically that you could not have actually pictured happening. Mm -hmm. Like a new technology will open up some weird bylaw will get changed or like in video games uh last year the big one was they changed it so that um loot boxes counted as gambling so a lot of video games suddenly had to change their entire uh method of how they were actually making profits these kinds of things do require completely changing how you make your game. So, anyway, sorry. It's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, no, I mean, yes, you, you took a, I mean, you took a, a, a cat amount of time to get there, but yes, good point. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, it, but it's true. Like, you know, what, 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 what are we going to have to consider? going forward in terms of mm -hmm. like in terms of what we can count on people having access to you know yeah, are, that's right are, are we just going to say oh half the game is digital and if you don't have access to the internet then you're kind of out of luck i mean that that's that's kind of been happening a little bit like uh um i, I don't remember where i read it but I, it was something about um uh fantasy flights digital division shutting down so yeah. like they're their digital content, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> all those board yeah. games with with apps that are, are, you know, the next time Apple updates iOS, that app's gonna not work anymore, and your board game has stopped functioning. Has yeah, been bricked, bricked, functionally bricked by yeah, an update. And it's it's weird because I think that's been a big trend in the board game sphere, especially mm -hmm. not so much in RPGs, but a lot that I've seen in board gaming has been trying to create these hybrid 
um, analog and digital games, which is cool. Um, and I think you can do a lot with it, especially with stuff like the social deduction games, um, sending private messages to each other. Mm -hmm. um, there've been, I think, I think we'll see that in RPGs more and more where um, I even saw someone post today about uh, a digital X card. So the idea is that um, they've created basically a, a server where you, as the GM log in, you create a, uh, a game instance. Mm -hmm. All of your players can sign in using uh, a digital code that it provides to you. Mm -hmm. And then if anyone touches the X card on their phone, you get an alert on, on the GM side. So the players remain anonymous as to who used the X card. You get to see that as feedback from the GM perspective. Um, and it all happens over this third part of the game, this digital component. Mm -hmm. um, and while I think that's like only scraping the, the top of that iceberg of what we can do with digital technology in, in RPGs, I think that there's uh, going to be this weird blend of tabletop mixing with non-tabletop elements. Right. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I think I think you know there are some games that are ripe for that already. You know, like I would welcome that as a part of Shadowrun, for example. Right. If that right. could make Shadowrun's uh, mechanics like a little more palatable, that would be hey, that'd be great. Uh, or, or give you something at your phone's fingertips to, you know, quickly, quickly do the dice rolls for your character, or you could just have pools that you're, you have like a favorites tab or something like that, where you just yeah. bing, 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 and you don't have to roll 36 plus dice. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, yeah. like it wasn't that hard. I mean, in, in, at least in fourth edition, like. I remember making a starting character with like, I don't, I don't think I even like tweaked it out that much, but she had 36 dice and negotiate like as a starting character. And like, that wasn't, she was also a combat monster. Like there, <laughs> it was it's like, it's too much, man. Like, yeah, we don't, we don't need like there, there's a, there's a reasonable bell curve to be had. And then there's, we're just going to cluster this around the middle pretty much every roll type thing. Right, right. Yeah, I got 36 dice. I'm going to have, you know, 12 successes on average. And it's usually going to hover right around there. Right. So what are, yeah. we, what are we, I mean, to Kat's point earlier, what are we rolling for, you know? Mm -hmm. We're rolling for tension, right? We're rolling because we're at an exciting moment, um, not at, not at a moment where something happens in the narrative that's random exactly, but we're at the moment where something could go wrong or really right. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, like increasingly, I mean, that's one of the things that's changed about my game, right? So the, the amount of dice that get rolled, like what gets rolled for, um, it started out with uh, a big focus on uh, heterogeneous dice pools with, you know, starting with D6s and D8s and then adding D10s and D12s. And uh, that, that uh, I kind of made that work, but you, you needed custom dice for it. So I ended up, I have like, mm. I don't know, an unreasonable amount of dice I, I put under a drill press and like drilled pips into and painted <laughs> them 
to make to see if it would work and it kind of does which is kind of nice it 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 works it works so well that i think the, it could be a functional system like as a separate thing like a, a a slightly more complex counterpart to something like savage worlds or something somewhere in right. there um but uh, as the games progressed it's gotten away from uh well it's gotten away from rolling for individual actions you know almost at all uh the perspective of it now is you're rolling for discrete parts of story rather than discrete actions so you're 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 setting up a piece of narrative and then rolling for the outcome i mean this is not that different from what blades in the dark does right but blades in the dark mm -hmm. still has uh still has moment to moment uh action sort of where where the narrative kind of compresses and you're doing a bunch of action roles in sequence um and i feel like blades in the dark kind of isn't supposed to work like that each role feels like it should carry the game forward a little bit further than um I don't know then i guess maybe it's my fault as a gm then then they uh then they actually do carry the game forward but it it seems like i don't know maybe that's one of the issues i had with it and and why i moved away from actions uh governing most of the out of combat stuff yeah. so it's now it's now it's like the, the the idea that your your characters are doing a thing and they're determining an overall approach and then and then taking and then seeing how it goes but you don't narrate the moment to moment stuff until you're in crisis mm -hmm. so i've kind of <laughs> built pacing into the skills i guess not, 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 they're not really skills but like the mechanics have pacing in them mm. i really thought about that until now it is kind of interesting hearing you describe it as you're not performing discrete actions, you're performing like a segment of narrative. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's definitely not my philosophy of how I'm doing things with my system, which is why I'm having to change a bunch of stuff right now. <laughs> uh -huh. But it's like, it is an interesting take on it so that it's like, I want to do, have this outcome. Mm-hmm rather than i want to perform this action like right. i personally actually enjoy seeing people reason through like the specific actions they're trying to take mm -hmm. to get to their goal rather mm -hmm. than just what is the end goal so i'm focusing more on the individual actions but that is like i said leading to me having to basically rework pretty much the entire thing right now because mm -hmm. I changed some very fundamental things like attributes just kind of aren't a thing now. They're a skill instead of an attribute. It's not like D&D at all anymore. Like it was, it was vaguely similar in that respect at one point, but mm -hmm. now there's a very clear upper limit um, through the method of 
or not the method, but as I've been like working through trying to figure out how to actually solve these issues, there is a very clear upper limit to your stats now, basically. Mm -hmm. And you can, I, the way I've structured it, I've realized that I can actually reach the maximum level of one stat at character creation under certain circumstances. It's difficult to do, but you can do it. So you can start the game with literally a character with one stat that is essentially on par with a god. <laughs> okay, they can only do it with cool. one. They mm -hmm. can only do it with one. But the fact that they can do it at all is kind of weird. And I'm still in the process of building this and actually implementing it. I'm actually still questioning whether I want to do that or not. Because it's like, this means the one thing that you're really good at. You're never going to improve at this one thing. Mm -hmm. So you're already as good as you will ever be at this. Hmm. So there's no progression in that. It's all going to be progression in other things. Other people will catch up to you. You mm -hmm. will broaden your horizons. But the one thing that you started off like godlike at, mm -hmm. in a literal sense, you're not actually going to improve any on that. And I'm still... Hmm. I can I, see how I you think that would like... feel unsatisfying. I right. can see where you're th where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I guess it depends <clears throat> on how much that plays a role in your game too, right? It's it does play a fair bit, but I'm not sure whether it's going to play enough that it's going to feel unsatisfactory that you're not improving at the thing that you're working the hardest at or not. Because mm -hmm. you're you're going to uh, branch out and have other things that it's not just the one thing that you're good at it's like it's connected to a bunch of other things so they're going to increase as well it's so overall like if you want to be like oh you might be godlike in strength you are essentially atlas you can carry the world on your back literally like this is not a figurative sense this is something if you wanted to do yeah you can do it mm. it's like okay that's kind of insane but in terms of combat with weapons and such, it doesn't mean you're going to be the most capable at using your favorite weapon. That's still going to be something that you'll have to piece together over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. So it's not that big a deal, but it's like the fact that you can do it at all is kind of weird, especially when it can, when this particular system goes to such silly extremes on things. So. I don't know. It's it's one of those things that I have a feeling I'm going to have a major rewrite in the fairly near future after I finish my fairly major rewrite of everything. <laughs> yeah, I I know what that feels like. Like you can feel the rewrite coming on. You're just like, oh shit, oh shit, 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 because you you yep. can feel it coming. You can feel it like. I just yeah. I hit like there's a cluster of three things that this one solution would fix, but it 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 involves like taking out a major strut, you know, mm -hmm. and it would like break two other things, but it would 
and you're just like, ah, crap, I can't do this just by itself. Yeah. And, and then you're like, well, I got to toss out the whole thing now and start mm -hmm. over because the structure's fucked up. Well, that's the issue I'm stuck with at the mm -hmm. moment. It's like, I was just going to change armor. <laughs> I, by changing armor, I also had to change the structure of how, you know, damage in general worked. And uh -huh. then that changed, <clears throat> like, the attributes and those changed, like, how damage is calculated and skills and mm -hmm. a bunch of other things. And then it's like, okay, wait, what hasn't been affected by this? Mm -hmm. Like, oh. I have to rework how the species are balanced against one another. I have to rework almost everything, like weapons now always have to have their base damage in pairs because so it's always going to be a multiple of two because i've implemented like um half multipliers for damage so oh jesus cat <laughs> <laughs> i didn't it just it's one of those things that was like i was gonna do it like every other level but i always hated that in D D where it was like every other stat gives you a point and it's like no i'm not doing that i hated that when i got a new stat point and it did nothing so it's like okay i can do a damage multiplier at a half step but that's really complicated and i don't want to have rounding errors and messy math if everything is a multiple of two then cutting it in half is really really easy to do so but that okay. means that's true. Other things start running into problems. It's like, well, damage is always in a multiple of two. That means that this other thing, like two-handed weapons used to give a plus three damage mul uh, bonus. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, okay. Well, I need to adjust that. But if I adjust that, then it means everything that isn't a two-handed weapon got adjusted in relation to that. Oh, and because I'm also trying to streamline so that combat flows better, so that you don't have to change the damage formula repeatedly during combat. That's good. Um, I mean, that's a good thing. It makes it easier. So if you start the, dam the game, uh, say you start combat and you do eight damage in a hit. Okay, great. It's not going to change off that. If you did eight damage to this enemy, you will still do eight damage at the end of combat in almost all situations. If there is a variation to it, it'll be very simple and easy to do. If you do it though, that mm -hmm. means that a lot of abilities used to change base damage. So those are all getting overhauled and that means I have to change how size classes work because it used to change that. Mm -hmm. Because you could change size class in combat by using spells. And everything's broken. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did it to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I knew it. I knew. I knew it as I was doing it. It's like. 
why do I keep doing this to myself? Mm-hmm. Why, why do I keep expanding my to-do list bigger and bigger? It's like, this is not okay. This is like beyond masochism at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that happened when I was like, ah, you know, I need to take a look at this dice system. <laughs> and then it was, oh, I can get, I can get roughly the same probabilities with just D10s. Okay, that's pretty good. Uh, and uh, I was like, oh, I can streamline it like this. Let's see if I cl- if I collapse this attribute into this one. Now we're down to three. Okay, that feels pretty good. And then we got, oh, we have a nice little three by three matrix here. Okay, that's cool. And uh, Oh, well, that, that means I don't need this, this, and this anymore. And this is extraneous. And now I don't need this. Oh, we got a whole new system here. Oh, cool. Okay. And then, like, you know, a couple of months ago, I was like, oh, I am seeing all the cracks in that thing. Right. And so I have all these, I have nine different, you know, talent pools to track. And I was like, what is going on? What are you doing? Nine, you have nine by nine by nine. That's 27 different like things per character and you you have lost your mind what are you doing <laughs> yeah and so then then yeah. and then then i slimmed it down to what you what i just showed you which looks i think so pretty reasonable yeah. But, but yeah there's the streamlining process is always one of the messiest things like i mm-hmm. have removed was it four or five different attributes entirely like not to attributes, but like secondary stats. So like mm-hmm. critical effect no longer exists. It's just gone. There's a couple others. I don't even remember them all. I like went through them and it's like, yep, this needs to go and this needs to go and this needs to go and this needs, to go, and this needs to go. oh, what am I doing to myself? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of curious um, what Kavor's perspective is on these kinds of changes because I think a lot of these sorts of big sweeping things are... Uh, in a way for user friendliness. Um, and as Kavor mentioned earlier, it's sort of like how much of this depends on marketing versus if you have like a closed group of potential players that you want to introduce this to and you kind of would bring this game up to just a handful of people, do you, do you have a different take on what kinds of games um, or how what kinds of changes you make to your game? Okay, thanks, I guess, for calling me out and making me forcing yeah. me to say something. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, I get the feeling he was lurking intentionally. He's like, don't call me, don't call me, don't call me. <laughs> no, it was, I didn't have much to say on that because you were talking about sweeping mechanical stages, which I guess I do sometimes. So uh, in general, I just because of the like, type of games I like to play, sometimes. I like things that have like quick, easy setups, and generally, I don't... Re- uh, like if I'm doing, I keep the mechanical gimmicks to one or two that are easy to remember. So yeah, mm-hmm. but for in terms of changes, what I'll do is like uh, to talk about a specific example is initially like an, initially for a game I'm making that is about playing, which is in a bizarre pastoral village that you create as at the start of the game, but let's. Anyway, initially I had abstract, I had fairly abstract inventories, and like just, yeah, no, if you if you, but all, because of how 
I wanted to focus the game, I actually ended up nailing things down to a lot more concrete than I normally would and giving a set list in a way like the the description of the item is fairly abstract but you have a finite pool of resources and they recover in this period of time and you acquire more in this way and it is very different from what i would normally do for that type of thing just because of like where a lot of what is being focused on and like what is important in that desk. Something, 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 blood. Uh, in terms of like, generally, what I'll change, what what will cause me to do a change is if something isn't flowing right, or if there's an obvious hole, I come that I have to fill in quickly every time it comes up. I definitely, it's something I immediately address and like take it time to aside to address. Mm-hmm. But that's generally done actively during a game. <laughs> rather than so, like in the middle of a playtest or yeah. I guess not not in a single session but between sessions you'll oh no in a single session I will like in a middle I'll just go okay so here's the so it's come up twice and that's a lot considering how often things come how often we roll dice okay so here's the rule for finding things now because that's not a specific role you can make now here are the rules for it. gotcha <laughs> and you'll try like a hot fix and then basically whatever comes of that will make its way into the final rules yeah yeah final (laughs) yeah there's a non-zero chance like i think about half the things i've written i've only run once but and i never intended to run more than once but that's besides the point um generally uh when i'm writing a game like i might start writing like a concept and then i'm going to realize who's playing it and then i'm going to adjust things so that it will have options that (laughs) or like lean a certain way that will play well with the group Mm, right i've definitely done like changes in that respect and none of these are practical things really Hmm? i was gonna say i know you've done some really big changes occasionally where it's like Usually, you run powered by the apocalypse games, mm-hmm. but you tend to do some rather creative stuff with them, and sometimes you bite off a little more than you can chew. I would say, like for example, the one with the um, the the spirit. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's a that that has got major reworks several times already. Yeah, it's on like its third revision, and I, I still. Like, I am at a point where I'm not thinking about it enough to get past the writer's block that it's currently on, because I don't have anybody I'd want to run it for right now. So it's fairly low priority. It's also a very hard game to do as a one-shot, which is where I do a lot of my playtesting. So, oh, incidentally, I'm running regular one-shots again, because I hate myself. I mean, no. Because it actually is that positive energy for me. You know, it's been a weird thing. I haven't run anything custom for them yet, officially. Like I've done some like tweaks to things that I was running, just make it work better. But that's not like you know, nothing major. Nothing. 
Although I did uh, post uh, with the, the Sea of Soul game in that chat for the weekly one-shot group, and one of them's like, yeah, sure, I'd play this. So I might end up actually writing that game. Yeah, cool. <laughs> okay. I encourage you. I encourage you to do so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I I have to play in a cavalry game at one point. Oh, do you really want to do that? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna to put a joke in voice buffer, and that, and we're gonna move on. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, okay. This is a nuisance. Scared of that. Uh, give me a second. I'm going to have to actually unplug the mic temporarily to charge the headset. I will still be here. I just won't be able to talk for a few moments. If you ask me a question, give me like 15 seconds to plug it back in so That's I can answer. La, da, 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 so, Kat, if you don't say anything in the next 15 seconds, I'm going to assume that uh, you give me permission to have access to your social security number and passwords, and I'll just, I'll just take that as a yes. Okay, great. We lost a Craig. Well, we still have the, we still have French Craig, so we're fine. French Craig? Okay. <laughs> Jacques. Jacques. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think that's the first time I've actually gotten that. Oh, really? <laughs> this is uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's even better. That's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. He's also French Craig because the server is literally in France. In France, uh, makes yep. sense. Yep. Well, you know, I gotta go. <laughs> Um, I think that, I mean, we all got to speak a little bit about it. I don't think Kat really got to go too much into big changes. And well, uh, she did series. talk about how her current revision. That's true. Um, but I think that generally, like that, kind of covered it for me. Mm -hmm. We were very vague about why. Yeah, but why so, these changes? Yeah, yeah, like we we talked a bit about it, but I think like discussing is it worth it or like what type or like at what point are or at what point are you entering the gaming Ouroboros, like the game design Ouroboros? Uh -huh. Like you need yeah. to watch out for signs of that. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Shut up. I can see the end in sight. It... Okay. <laughs> I forgot how oh. much of a color post that was. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, no, yeah. I know. I think it's, I think it's very easy to fall into that where it's like your, your game is never perfect, but you also, develop as a designer as you're like doing mm -hmm. the game so it's yeah, so easy that's... to look back on it and kind of say oh i can fix this and oh I'm, I'm now more interested in this stuff so i'm gonna just revamp this entire system and now i've got a brand new game yeah. um, 
Yeah, oh, I mean, uh, mine's not a D and D like a, a a sort of weird Savage World D and D clone anymore. You know, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was actually. Mm. Sorry, I'm going to be cutting in and out of this quickly, but I would also say that it's not just a matter of your design skill improving. It's also that there's only so much total threads of concentration an individual can physically maintain on solving different problems. If you have like 500 different problems you have to solve, you can solve maybe if you're good five of them at a time you might be able to have you know night notes on another 10 that are sort of idling in the background that you'll think of for every couple you know once every couple of days or weeks or whatever but if you have a really big project you cannot do the entire thing all at once. So you're going to have to keep coming back to revisit stuff just because you do not have the time to spend thinking about all the different problems. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah no, there's something I need to explain what I actually meant by the Ouroboros. The Ouroboros that I was referring to is the very specific phenomenon where you have like six design principles and you work on making your game more aligned to one of them, and then you and then you do the do things, and you realize, okay, uh, now it's not doing this one enough, and then basically you problem solve in a circle. It's actually very easy to do if you're doing if oh, you're yeah. not specifically aware of it. Yep, <clears throat> it's uh, it, and the so I think. The way you get out of that mm -hmm. is by nailing down your game's identity. Mm -hmm. Is by nailing down your your one-liner, your yes. elevator pitch, your your whatever it, it does. What is it about? And then the those those choices become much easier to say no to, which yeah. is right. really uh, useful to know. But going back to Kat's point, mm -hmm. the Catrice's point is exactly why it's so easy to lose, like, co and like, the, when you talk about major revisions, what causes this is you, like, try to fix one problem and it ends up affecting everything else. But because you can only focus on so many problems at all at once, you don't realize that the, that the cascade effect is happening. Right. Anyway, uh, that's that's about all I had to really say on that particular matter. Hmm. Uh, anybody has anything? Nobody has a specific next topic they want to enter, go into. I guess I could do. I have another thing I want to talk about, but go for it. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, on the topic of revision, uh, this is this is something that is very important that we probably said before. But keep your change log, like keep the old mechanics somewhere. You'll you'll mm -hmm. you won't regret it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even if it requires a, its own separate USB drive that you have on your computer just for. Okay. Yeah, my my doc my doc folder of old 
of uh, old editions of of ashes or it's yeah it's very large i uh i recently got introduced to green here you go I was, I was gonna say i recently got introduced to git which stores mm -hmm. everything with like incredible amounts of track changes i usually keep everything on dropbox but this is like uh, unreal levels of rewind hmm yeah how how does it work with the document editing uh it'll I, this is how it works for code and i'm assuming it'll work mm -hmm. the same for for most things um mm -hmm. but it tracks line by line changes mm -hmm. um so you can if you replace something it'll identify exactly which part of your document was changed mm -hmm. um so okay I, I thought there was keep... a different functionality for maybe a document thing that i didn't yeah, it does i don't hmm. yeah okay. i don't think so i think it basically does the same has the same concept oh. um but you can actually create um branches off mm. of your main file so mm. you can have like the current fully working version but then you can create a branch off of that to um make your own little edits as like a development branch uh mm. which might have like bugs and things that you want to fix and little uh i don't know incomplete passages mm. but um you're able to track everything and then revert back to the original version and it allows you to have all of that kind of displayed nicely. Um, so you can kind of merge them whenever you want and it'll uh, reconcile all the little changes that were made. So it's pretty, pretty handy stuff. Huh. I never considered it for RPG writing. Yeah, I'm not sure how well it would work, but. <laughs> That's interesting to think about. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think we've pretty much covered this topic pretty, pretty well. <laughs> or at least we've run out of things to say. I don't know. If covered yeah. it. At least I now have access to being able to talk again for a few more minutes. Ah, good. <laughs> okay. Probably... Yes. Because <laughs> we we had mentioned it while you were away, but I think you were the only one that didn't really get to go into too much of like the big sweeping changes that you've made for for Sarasa. Mm. Oh, there's been a lot. Oh, there's been an awful lot. Like, keep in mind, this was originally from a very, very, very long time ago going to be, well, technically this is a second game that was based on one that was going to be a League of Legends RPG. OK. Of all things, wasn't it at some point? Uh, I god, no, that was a different thing. I was trying to remember which one used to be it, which one was, was the one where you stole mechanics from a video game you were working on. I mean, I've definitely stolen mechanics from video games I've worked on for this. Okay, actually, I've stolen mechanics from video games I haven't worked on for this. Well, that's better somehow in my mind. <laughs> I mean, if it if it's going to work, but yeah, I I think one of the biggest changes for the longest time was just a change of 
initiative. Like I've worked for the longest time trying to get rid of initiative, trying to remove it as a concept, trying to just basically change the concept of it, and it just didn't work. The more I, the more I picked apart at the problem, the more it ended up looking like the more traditional initiative system you see in like D and D, and it's like. That's not how it started out at all, but it gravitated that way logically over time. And I don't, because of that, I'm not sure if they intentionally built it that way or if they just lucked out and happened to hit it that way by chance that it happened to work good. Or if it was like, yeah, this is just the only logical path that this can really go for what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, other changes, oh god, there's been so many big ones. <laughs> like, for is example, a, multiple like species. An... Sorry? Sorry. I was going to ask, is there like an overlying reason for all of them, or, or are they all Pretty... unique sort of cases? I would say... Almost all of them have boiled down to either something didn't work the way I thought it worked, or this was a placeholder because I knew I could do a better job of it at some point in the future, but I haven't gotten around to fixing it. Gotcha. Or it was something like, I just came to like an epiphany or revelation of I realized I can do this so much better now. And in a lot of cases, it's just streamlining things. Like, there's multiple things that are... It's, you just don't need certain things. Like, what I was going to say actually a second ago was different species. I had like a bunch of different species that I was going to add in addition to the ones that I ended up with. And... I boiled it down to which ones have very distinctive niches that stand apart from all the others. And some of the ideas, I just ended up, there was no need for some of these other ones. Like, I was going to have elementals for one. It's going to be like earth, air, fire, water, elemental kind of creatures. I don't have them at all anymore and since before I even started this podcast so they've been gone for probably three plus years at this point but they ended up getting removed because when I was going through the different species ideas that I had it was like the only real thing that this species has going for it is the elemental thing and that's it And I ended up merging that into the kit soon, which I ended up removing because they were too similar to the Nagetsun, and I wanted to um, have those only, like, one of them was going to only show up in an expansion because it wasn't distinct enough to matter. So it was going to be one or the other, and I ended up with the Nagetsu, even though they're less um, well-known than the more 
culturally well-known kitsune and because also, they they're more of a they're more of a weird wild concept that this is like your character concept that you're gonna play and it's insane no sorry i just really like your nonsense race i like, you I like their version a little more i like that version more so i ended up keeping them the other ones will come back in later but for now that means that the elemental concept was gone again I have five elements in the game. I had five dragon types already. I ended up mapping those onto them probably about two years ago. So I think it was after we had actually started the podcast. But yeah, it's like changes like that, just basic concepts being shifted over just because it didn't fit where it needed to fit or there was a more efficient way to do it, a way to streamline everything together, or this just seems like a better idea. Like, there's different reasonings for it, but usually it boils down to streamlining, or I thought of a better way, or I just haven't gotten around to dealing with this yet. Like, this is something that I know is broken, but it needs to be dealt with later. Like, keep in mind, my to-do list is still, like, um, many, 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 many pages long. I don't even know how long at the moment. I could count it here really quickly if you want, but it's going to be messy. It's fine. 1, 2, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. She's going for it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay, I have 34 pages of notes of to-do on the immediate to-do list. Uh-huh. That's an extremely catrice thing you just said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not including things like the GM section. I have a total of, like, over 50 text oh files God. listed for things Why? I'm going to add. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I don't I keep a envy lot of notes. Future Catrice. <laughs> future Catrice has a lot of work cut out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I guess you're organized. Going. Yeah. Because. I mean, there is an organization to it. It's a messy organization, but there is organization. Mm -hmm. It's That's just. Good. When you look at it, it's like I keep adding things to it. So it's like usually several times a day, I'll just be thinking about stuff. Even if I'm like playing a game or doing something else, I'll just be like, oh, I thought of a way to to work on this and make it better than it currently is. I should probably write that down as a note for later. Mm -hmm. And gradually it just keeps getting bigger. And it's like, I go through fixing things on the to-do list at a slower rate than I add to it, even though I can change like a ton really quickly. Like in just the last few days, like yeah, the last few days, like four or five days. Mm -hmm. I have completed like 12 pages worth of the to-do list. Except a lot of the ones that were completed were not on it until the last few days. 
So as I'm as I'm changing stuff, I'm adding more stuff to do. Hmm. But yeah, major changes. They're, they're, I'm always going to add more. I will never be happy with it. That's kind of a problem. But I think I will get to a point where I can at least release it and say it's done in quotation marks. But it's going. <laughs> but it's going to be. It's going to be like a pile of like. 30 plus pages worth of to-do list for right what conversion for for v2 yeah but i think i think yeah. kavor's point about the the ouroboros of just perpetually uh fixing your own game until it's never completed i think having those kinds of like benchmarks of this will be a version one and i will release it and it will be like available for people to play and it, it is a constructed game i think is such an important Benchmark. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah. It definitely is. There, are, there are very clear um, parts that are going to stand out. Like this is going to set it to version zero point four when I'm done this one because it's overhauling almost everything. Zero mm -hmm. point five will be the final version before alpha testing is done, and I'll be moving into beta testing. That'll be when I have the GM section in. And it's tested to the point that I can trust somebody else to be the GM of the game other than me. That is mm -hmm. a very clear cutoff that yeah. it would be possible for someone to run the game without me being in the game or doing stuff like they can actually read it. It's, it's finished to that point mm -hmm. that it's like, okay, I can move on to the, the closed beta. Closed beta will be finished when it's basically to the point that it's playable i've gone through all of the major changes like there's no more i need to completely overhaul this entire system it'll just be like okay i'm adding new features i'm adding new tweaks things like that like mm -hmm. minor adjustments to numbers not completely removing entire sections and then open beta will finish when it's polished enough that I can't see major glaring flaws. Like there's going to be an infinite array of little tiny glitches and problems that can still come up. But once I get it to the point where it's like in an average play, if I give this to other people and they're not streaming like, you need to change everything or here's a problem here's a problem here's a problem and it's like okay i i think i'm actually to the point that this is relatively okay it's like yeah i'm always going to constantly have more things that need tweaked mm -hmm. and fixed but this is good enough that's when i'll actually consider it released and put the 1.0 out what's your timeline i'm hoping to get 0.4 out by the end of April, which I've just jinxed myself. That's not going to happen now. I'm hoping to have 0.5 within two to three months after that. I'm hoping to have be out of alpha testing by somewheres around fall and i'm actually hoping to have the 
the closed beta done by Christmas. Then again, I have wanted it to be done by Christmas for four years now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so take that with um, a boulder of salt. Right. But that is where I would like this timeline to be. Mm. Where it will actually be, I have no fucking clue. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. I'm I can't estimate time very well. Like any time you see me put something up on like say the uh freaking the Patreon or whatever, it's like, okay, I think this is gonna be released like either tonight or tomorrow. So two weeks later and pouring in like another eighty a hundred hours of work into it, maybe more. It's like, okay. Um, so I might have just completely revised this section that I wasn't planning on, mm -hmm. but it's better now. So I'm sorry for the wait, but here you go. It's just not what I said. <laughs> anyway, oh God, I'm basically done anyway. <laughs> So yeah. I think we're like the two of us are like in this bad codependent relationship where we're <laughs> just reinforcing uh, each other's horrible practices. This is well, horrible practices. We're like I think two alcoholics just going to bars together and talking about, oh, we fixed it. Oh, that's good. You fixed it. Yay. When I should be, both of us should be to each other. Just like, yeah, but did you put it out yet? No, I, I, I'm not willing to do that. It, it's been <laughs> going this not. long. Like, if I, if I put this out, it has to be the the highest quality for my standards. Like, I can't. I would not feel comfortable of releasing something that this is all right. I mean, it's good, but it's not great. It's like. If I release this, I want it to be basically, this is the game changer that people will look at and be like, oh shit, you've redefined how we do like half of this shit in this industry. And I, I would be pleased with that. And that's what I'm aiming for. I'm not willing to half-ass it or be like, yeah, it's good enough. It's like, no, it's not good enough. It'll, it will never be good enough, but I can get it good enough to my standards, at least. But yeah. I I don't want to put out something that's good. It needs to be great. Okay. That is the, that is the path to... That is, like, a road to hell, just to be clear. Mm -hmm. I know it is, but... As long as it's a path to this is great, not perfect. I'm okay with it not being perfect. I'm not okay with it being below the quality level that I know I can reach. Okay. Just know that the the path you're the uh, you you okay. How should I phrase this nicely? Okay, so just know that there is a limit to how much you can do and you and if there is a certain, uh, how should I put it? 
threshold of you might not be able to read. God, I'm not doing that. Okay, so basically, <laughs> if you if you if you hold yourself to that standard constantly, there's a chance you that you are just gonna destroy yourself and never finish because. But, oh, I'm definitely going to destroy myself. I'll just make sure I finish is all. Okay. <laughs> you, you I'm okay with destroying myself in the process. That's fine. Don't worry oh, okay. About as long as you have enough, as long as uh, what I'm saying is just save every time you have a playable version, save it in, so that if you die, so that if you die or end up in hell bef bef before you have the next playable version, you can release that one. Oh, I do. I do. I have okay. so many versions of this, it's scary. Uh-huh. I, I save a new version every two hours that I'm working on it or so. Okay. No, there, I was referring to a very specific thing. Like, once you have a playable oh, version, separate it out put somewhere. Do not touch it. That, it. that version exists in its own special place. <laughs> Oh yeah, those those have their own special PDF printed off, and they actually get saved in a separate folder for each. Okay, just making sure that that exists, and that you are willing to at some point go. Okay, I need to put one of these out. Yeah, it's not there yet. It's not playable by anybody other than myself, so it's not ready for that. So yet. we are even there. Yeah. Relatively soon. A couple you, months. You, you say that. It's reasonable. Yeah. It's okay. relatively soon by my standards, so everybody else will be dead of old age. But okay, yeah. that's fine. Hundred years from now, once my consciousness is uploaded to a computer, I'll I'll someday release it again. Yep, that's totally how this works. Oh, okay. I'm done. As long as you have I'm a plan. <laughs> Good. I didn't realize the level of foresight that was going into this. Carry on, Catrice. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we also want to bring something up before we call it a night. I'm emphatically trying Please not do. to do that. Please I am do. busting my ass Please in order do. to get something released by, by hopefully, I don't know. I'm trying to get a minimum viable prototype like by the end of this weekend, and then <clears throat> I'll tell you what, Rob. If no. you can, if you can do that, uh. I'll run it two weeks from now. Anyway, good night, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> good night, everyone. Good night. Run, run yeah. while you still There's can. No one listening. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> they left already. They took the hint. <laughs> All right, everybody. Good night from uh, Catrice. So they're only in purgatory. Cavwar, Mark, and myself. We're uh, we're out of here. Another. Uh, Another episode in the Freedom! Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode... Or not, we're not picky. Leave us a review on iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, and uh, and Pornhub. Because why not?
Gotta go where your audience is, right? Good night, everyone.